totally out of, out of the will of God. How many people know somebody that were more faithful than anybody you ever knew and they're not in church today? You say, well, they still have a, they still have a, you know, they still have a relationship with God. I'm not saying they're not saved, right? I'm not saying that at all. Possibly they are. But listen, church attendance, assembly of the body is Christianity 101. That is entry level. If you're struggling there, I'm telling you, you have some other big things you're struggling in. Yeah, that's entry level. And when they get to the point, I mean, but you've known some of those. They, I'm t- they're faithful to the Lord. They're, they're faithful in everything. They had the joy of the Lord on their life. They just enjoyed God. And boy, something happened. Something happened. And they began to veer. You could watch in their life a little decision here and a decision here and something here and something there. And before you know it, right, they were away from God. And you kind of scratch your head, thought, them? How them? Uh, you might have even thought, I could see me, but not them, Right. And, uh, but it's true. And listen, don't, oh, we may get into the lesson today, but my mind's going off. Don't ever think you have arrived to the place in your Christian life that you are, that you are some match for Satan. Friend, he will, he will eat you up and spit you out at any place of your life. You better stay close to the Lord, I'm telling you. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Remember, remember the problem with the lot was? Lot didn't start in Sodom, did he? The Bible says he pitched his tent toward Sodom. He was in the well-watered plains uh, of, uh, of, that, of that valley there. He was in the well-watered plains of Jordan. It was the most logical place to raise sheep and cattle. But the, point, the problem was he pointed his tent that direction because his heart was already going that direction. And in the matter of time, what is he? He's, he's in Sodom and Gomorrah. Not only is he in Sodom and Gomorrah, he is, he is in the city council. He is one of the ruling fathers. He's sitting in the gate of the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. And you know what? He lost his whole family there. Yep. His son-in-laws, they just mocked him when he said, Hey, God's going to destroy this place. All right, old guy. <laughs> See you later. Right. Lost his wife, lost his kids. Ended up in most one of the most... Uh, twisted stories in the Bible of incest. Ugh. You're like, what? I'm telling you. I'd never in there. Don't say that. <laughs> right? Take heed lest you fall. Right? But his heart, listen, his heart was going a direction. It was slow and it was methodical. That's how Satan is. He's the, listen, Satan is, most, is the second most patient person there is, God being the first. But he'll wait an entire lifetime to take it down. He absolutely will. Look at the life of Asa. 40 years as king, 35 years. What a great king Asa was. I love the life, the beginning life of Asa. But he came to a place in his life of self-sufficiency because he was doing well, right? <clears throat> he, had a little, he had a little incident with, I believe, it was the Ethiopians at that time. Maybe it was a, I forget which one it was. But anyway, the first, first uh, uh, problems he had, he went to God. He spread them out before the Lord. God showed himself mighty. Man, he served God. He did well. Boy, about the, towards about year 35 of his reign, he went and hired somebody else to go help him out. And then he got sick. And what's the Bible say? That he went to the physicians before he went to God. God said, I would have healed you. Then he, when, when the prophet came and corrected him, he got, he got mad. He got a hard heart, right? And he died. Watch this. In a 40-year in a reign, from year 1 to year 35, it was good. And I'll, I'll look, year 35, and then five years later, 
just from year 35 on, he was done. That quickly. He was over. After all of that, listen, don't ever think you get to a place in your life when you can coast with God. When you can just kind of, where you got it figured out and when you're doing well and you're doing fine. Satan wants you gone. He wants you gone. Don't ever, don't ever think he does not want that. And we see in our text here in Numbers chapter number 8, we're looking at compromise. Compromise. Well, we're seeing that today, aren't we? Compromise all over the place. I'm so thankful for those that are, that are faithful to, to, uh, to God in these days. A uh, young man I knew, we were at a preacher's meeting uh, a couple of years ago. One of the young men asked, uh, asked another older pastor, he said, what, what advice do you have uh, for, for young pastors today? We're all sitting at a table fellowshipping, you know. What advice would you have, this young guy asked, for, for the young, younger pastors today? And this pastor said this, he goes, I pray for you. He said, we had it easy. This is a different day to pastor. There was a lot of, it was, it, listen, there's a lot of bandwagon Christianity in the 60s and the 70s and the early 80s. I mean, it was easy. It was easy to go with God. Wasn't it, Brother Bob? I mean, I'm telling you, it was just like, it, I mean, the, the world, the, our nation in general was favorable and actually kind of enjoyed people that had some Christian godly character. Right. They, they, it's, it was still there for a little while and it was easy. But boy, it's a different story now. I, you know, what the only thing I like about today is, you know, who's real. You know, who really has a heart for God now. And because all, all of the all of the 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 mixed multitude that used to come along. Right. Remember the mixed multitude that went up with with Moses out of Egypt. Uh, they, they were uh, they were not all Israelites, but they hung around the fringes and things like that and caused a lot of problem. You know, the only, the only thing with this day is that mixed multitude isn't around. They are gone. Co- boy, COVID revealed a lot, didn't it? Absolutely, it did. Revealed a lot of stuff. And I'm telling you, we're talking about compromise. Compromise. We are always going to be, uh, we are always going to be, uh, I can't think of the word, um, Watch out for compromise. That's what I'm trying to say. Watch out for compromise. Satan will never stop putting compromise in front of us. In, in, in chapter 8 here, in verse 30 through 31, we've been looking at this compromise, compromising proposal, and then uh, that, that Pharaoh had for, for Moses. And then we see here uh, there is uh, two temptations that we already looked at in our, in our lesson, the temptation to conform, and secondly here, the temptation to compromise, Right? We, I tell, remember last week or two weeks ago, it was Willie Nelson who used to, I guess, started singing in, a, in his little Baptist church that he went to outside of Dallas. How many remember uh, the Willie Nelson of the 60s? The suit and tie, the short haircut. I mean, I mean, he, he just looked like everybody else, you know. And uh, you look at him uh, sometime later, boy, he went downhill, didn't he? And uh, somebody came to him. He was singing in the bars during the week and at church on Sunday and a pastor came to him and said, Hey, you're going to have to make a choice, man. You're either going to sing in the bars or you're going to sing for God, but you can't do both. And he said, um, I'll, I'll choose the bars, man. Yeah. You said, well, wow. He lived to a lo- long age. Hey friend, eternity is a long time. Yeah. It's just, he hasn't, <laughs> listen, he's got, he's, he's got a lot ahead of him if he's outside of Christ today. And so there's compromise. We're always wanting. There's always a compromising proposal. But in chapter eight and verse thirty and thirty-one, there's a response 
from Moses. And look at verse 30. And Moses went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses. And he removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, his servant, and from his people. There remained not one. And just as Pharaoh kept tempting Moses to compromise, right? Just stay in the land. This was a compromise. You don't need to go out there to, to offer. You don't need to go out there into the wilderness to sacrifice unto God. Uh, Exodus chapter 8. You don't need to go out there, right? Just stay right here in Egypt and I'll let you sacrifice to your gods. Just stay here, right? Isn't that the compromise we have today? You get, you get saved, you know, you, you got saved and you realize, and it was uh, pretty normal preaching that when you got saved, you kind of quit your drinking and you quit your smoking and you quit your drugs and you quit your vices and you quit the worldliness and you quit the carnality and you quit the bars on Saturdays and Fridays and the bar hopping and everything else. And you showed up at the house of God and you started by being baptized and then you got faithful in the church and you got taught and discipled and all of these things. And you just, what happened? You just gave your heart and your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. It was the most natural natural thing to be one of, to want to be where he is and to where his people are, right? And what the world comes along and says, you've gone too far, man, right? Too far. You've turned into a fanatic. You've turned into a crazy, right? Like the world doesn't have fanatics. Yeah, yeah. You've turned into a weirdo. You've turned into a Jesus freak. You've turned into, just fill in the blank, right? Yeah. You used to be fun. <laughs> I still think I, I think I'm a lot of fun. <laughs> all by myself. I entertain myself a lot of times. Argue with myself, all sorts of things. Yeah. Tell myself jokes. Yeah. Brother Jim sends me plenty of jokes during the week. Yeah, they're really helpful. Oh, they're great. Mary Hart doeth good like a medicine. Amen. And if you need to if you need some medicine, get Brother Jim's text number and he'll start texting you jokes this week. They're good. They're good ones. They say, just don't go too far. No, do your God thing in the world. Do your God thing without coming out of Egypt. Friend, that's not, that, that wasn't God's plan. It wasn't his idea. It wasn't what he designed. It, what, what did he say? Where, is it 2 Corinthians uh, what, 6, 17. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you unto myself. Right? But the world says, no, here's the, here's the compromise. Just stay where you are. And so what Moses did is he came out and he prayed for him. He prayed for Pharaoh. Yeah. Could you imagine praying for those that, that tempted you to compromise? That'd be a good thing to do, wouldn't it? Those are like, oh, come on, it's just Sunday night. Come on, it's just Wednesday night. Come on, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just, right. Well, if you notice here, I'm going to move on to Exodus chapter 10. I want to show you something else with compromise and temptation. There is a temptation for Moses and the children of Israel to conform, right? Just stay here in the land. There is a temptation to compromise and don't go all in with God. But the third temptation I want to look at today mainly is this temptation to corrupt. Pharaoh presented Moses with a proposal. Yeah. Now this time it wasn't just stay in Egypt. It's like, this time it was like, okay, fine. Go out, go out, but tell you what. Oh, here's one. Here's a compromise. You ready for this one? Leave your kids behind. 
Look at verse, look at chapter 10, verse eight. And Moses and Aaron were brought again into Pharaoh. And he said unto them, go serve the Lord, your God. But who are they that shall go? And Moses said, we will go with our young and with our old, with our sons and with our daughters, with our flocks and with our herds. Will we go for we must hold a feast unto the Lord. And so in verses 10 and 11, Pharaoh's actually going to come up with this little bit of a divisive proposal. You know, do you realize this, that Satan wants to corrupt families? Do you know that the family is the, the, is the oldest institution that God created and instituted? It was the family. He instituted the family and then he instituted the church. Now, don't get me wrong here. Some people go, well, he instituted the family before the church, so I'll put my family before church. No, that you've just totally missed the whole point. If the family's where it ought to be, your relationship with the church will be where it ought to be as well, right? It'll, it'll, it'll go along quite well. It's not, it's not an either or position. It's not like, well, if I'm going to you know, keep my family, bless God, I'm going to get it. I'll just not go to church. That's totally illogical and unscriptural and biblical, right? Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Right? It was a whole thing there. And so he wants to corrupt families. We know this. We know Satan wants to do that. And one of the ways he does it, and we can see it today, is this. Well, you can have the old generation, but I'll take the new generation. See, religion's in for the older crowd. Religion is for the old people, right, Hunter? You're getting to be an old guy. Religion's for the old guy, right? It's not for the kids, which is why, see, this is what churches believe. Now, watch as churches believe this, which is why they're orchestrating their churches for all around children. Yeah, like, like, as in, I mean, like, as in, like, rock concerts, as like total entertainment all the time and trying to keep them entertained and, and plugged in that way. What a mess. I have a friend of mine who knew that questioned some of these, these ways that people were doing these things in churches as in being favorable. It's like, well, hey, at least, you know, you're, you're not going to get the kids otherwise. And I said, you know what? That is a lie. I've been in too many very, very large churches. I've been a member of church over 2,200 people. And it was full of children with what? A piano, an organ, hymns, and preaching. And it worked just fine. Worked just fine. Why? Because the Bible works. Absolutely. Don't let, don't let them lie. But the, this is what Satan does. Well, just you can have that, but they need to have something else. Well, that's, that's divisive, right? That, that is, that's divisive. It absolutely is. Look at verse 10 and 11. And he said unto them, let the Lord be so with you as I will let you go and your little ones look to it for evil is before you. Not so. Go now ye that are men and serve the Lord for that ye did desire. And they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. Presence, And this is what Pharaoh did. He tempted Moses to let his religion be only for his generation. Take the men, take the old men out and go do what you need to do. But watch, give me your kids. Give me your kids. Does that sound familiar to anybody? You know what Karl Marx said? Marxism, Right? The education of all children, he said, from the moment that they can get along without a mother's care shall be in the state's, in the state's institutions at the state's expense. It's our public school system. It's pure Marxism. Yeah, it's been going that way for a long time. It didn't start out that way. Do, you, do we know what the, the textbook in the, in the old schoolhouse used to be, wasn't it? Right? It was a Bible. It, you know, it, was, it might have been the New England 
the, the New England Primer or something like that. They, they, that was all scripture. You know, they might have opened up a Webster's 1828 dictionary and all of the examples in, the, in that dictionary were Bible verse examples of, the, of how to use those words and sentences. I mean, we've changed a lot. It was normal that, you know what, yes, communities would get together and bring in a school marm and take care of the school and teach the children. But my goodness, it was the families who, who had the ultimate say in what was going on. But that's changed. Why? The state says, oh, we'll do public schools. And we'll fund it. And now we have the... Do you see all these fights going on with all these school boards and books and all of these things? Yeah, it's like, you know, I, I'm glad they're doing it, friend. But I'm like, wow, you're about 50 years late. Yes, sir. And the damage has been done. And I'm telling you, there may be... Listen, there may be a good uh, public school system in some little town across the country somewhere. But I would tell any... Any Bible-believing family, don't put your children there. If you can't homeschool, find a, find, a, find a good Christian school somewhere. I understand not everybody should homeschool, right? Not everybody should homeschool. I've vacillated on those back and forth. Thankfully, our children were able to go to Christian school. We didn't have to do that route, and uh, some have to, but man, I'm telling you. And, and listen, let me tell you this. Let me tell you another lie that was foisted upon us. Oh, well, my children will be a light to the school. They, they need a light in that school. Let me tell you something, adult. You're not a very good light either. And you think your child's going to be a good light? Now, some are. Don't get me wrong. So, some, I'm telling you, some, uh, some young people have quite a testimony for the Lord. Absolutely. That's a rarity. Yeah. You and I struggle against this world. And you're going to throw a kid in there? Mm. You're going to have to. You're, it's going to be a struggle. It is. But this is, this is Marston. This is what the world wants. The world says, hey, you give us our children, give us your kids, you go do your little religion thing, and we'll, we'll take care of them and protect you from you wackos, right? Yeah. Us wackos, while they're, you know, delivering babies halfway and sucking their brain out of their head and throwing them into the trash, we're the wackos. Come on, friend. Yeah. Pharaoh tempted Moses. To let his his religion to be for for his his generation only. You know that's really what Satan wants to do is to divide families. It's what he wants to do. Divide them. Yeah, we'll take the we'll take them in and we'll leave the women and children behind. Right? Yeah. Yeah. How many remember the Waltons? Boy, I used to think that was such a wonderful... We grew up watching that. You know, I thought it was great. The older I got, I remember, realized what a progressive show that was. Right? It was a divided family. You, re, you realize what they did? Mom and Grandma were religious and they had no fun. And Dad and Grandpa, they were the rebels and they just had all the fun and the kids loved them and they were just... You know, they were easy go... You know, lucky go... Whatever the easy... Lucky, lucky go easy... I can't even think of the dumb term. They just had a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, that, listen, that's, that's the world's view, man. Yeah. And parents today, I'm telling you, I, I am thankful that we raised children before kind of right in the very beginnings of, well, I mean, people had Internet. We just didn't tell anybody. that the, We didn't let our kids know because we didn't have it. <laughs> you know? and, uh, but it was still at the beginning of it. We missed a lot of that stuff. Some of you raised children years ago without Internet, without all of this. Oh, my, what a... I don't see what a battle it is today. It is such a battle. It really is. 
We have, remember when we got an email account, it was Juno. It was on AOL dial-up, and it came in the free CD, and we used it till the free thing was up because I wasn't paying for whatever this was, and we lived too far out in the middle of nowhere. So how many rooms are there? <laughs> right? And we do that on the landline. It was awesome. And we had one email account that everybody, like, well, myself and Sherry, and then Tabar had one, I think Philip and the little girls, I don't know if they had... I don't think they had anything. But it was all on one open thing. Everybody could read everybody's email. It wasn't like anybody had their own account you couldn't get into. And it, it was just nothing was, it was, this was it. This was all we had, right? It was so easy. And then Katie got old enough to where, by the time she got to high school, they had little phones, flip phones. And I'm like, no way. She ain't getting a phone. <laughs> yeah, this is, she's too much of a social butterfly. She doesn't need that at all, you know. And then before you know it, I mean, it's just everywhere. Internet, phones, all this stuff. You know, I told my aunt and uncle they're in their 80s, you know. So of course, my cousins were raised in the uh, late 60s, 70s, early 80s. They're going into college. I said, man, you raised kids at a good time. And they said, we absolutely did. Yeah. Was, those were easy times. I'm talking about separation. I'm talking about the, the, the compromise, the temptation to compromise and to divide. This is what the world wants. They don't want a unified home. Do you realize you send your kids to school now and, and, and it seems like the purpose of the school now is just to divide the home. Right? Oh, you poor thing. Your mom won't let you little girl be a boy. Oh, what a shame. You just can be a boy right here and we'll take care of you. We'll take you to the hospital and get you your hormones and we won't say a word. I'm telling you, there are the lowest parts of hell for people like that. Yes, yeah. you, talk about, you talk about child abuse. Absolutely. These little kids now, they're coming out now going, oh, I wish I'd never done that. Yeah. Surgeries and chemical castrations and all things like that. Sick. Wicked. Wicked, wicked. Now these, some of these little kids are just beside themselves because they've ruined the rest of their life. Ruined it. Yeah. That's what Satan does. See, watch, we, some of us have lived to watch where this, where in our culture Satan has begun, and now we're living to where he's coming to the bottom, where the, the, I mean, we're getting to the bottom, the most base area of where this ends up. I say it all the time, listen, direction always has a destination. I, you may start here and it might seem almost uh, um, uh, uh, innocuous or it just, you know, like no big deal. But I'm telling you, direction ends at a destination every time. And you need to see where it ends before you keep going down that destination, down, down, that, down that trail, right? You need to find out where this ends. You ever tried to find the lowest common denominator in math, right? You kind of bring it down to one number. I'll tell you what, you can do the reverse of that in life and figure out where you're at and see where it ends up. And this is where we're living today. It absolutely is divided. Divided. Yeah. You know what God's instruction to us is not? God does not say, hey, tell you what, parents, just let your kids make up your own mind. Let them make up their own mind. They'll be okay. Do you realize the frontal lobe of their brain isn't developed until they're 25? And that is the area... Are you 25 yet? Oh, you're so close. 
<laughs> but that is that is the part of the brain that has the ability to think long term and to look in the future and go, this isn't a good thing, right? So before 25, what did you do? A lot of dumb stuff that you didn't think, you know, we made a settling bombs and we jumped out of this and we blew up that and we said, I wonder what this does, right? Now, not girls, but this is boys. You know, boys do all sorts of dangerous things. And, and then uh, your grandkids come over and your grandsons and you watch them do it. And you're going, yeah, they'll figure it out. You know, it's good for them. And, and so, but, uh, but it's the dumbest thing to say, let them make up their own mind. I remember uh, 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 somebody I know, I know in, in our family, uh, they're up in their late 90s now or almost 100. But uh, she was telling me about when, the, when she became a Christian and there was a, a pastor in their local little town that came by the house. They weren't saved at all, but he would come by the house and he would ask. This would be back in the probably back in the fifties, and he had asked for the children to come to church. Why don't you send your boys to church? And she goes, I told him, I want. This is in the fifties. I want them to make up their own mind. She goes, you know what that pastor said to me? She said, Well, don't you think they ought to have some information so they could at least make up their mind? I was like, wow, that's a good response. And she said, I thought, okay, that's right. And she goes, I sent them to Sunday school. You know, how, how do you make up your own mind without information to make it up? I thought, wow, what a great response. But that is the normal response of, of the world today. Oh, you know, let them, let them figure it out on their own. Let them make up their own mind. And uh, listen, they have plenty of time to make up their own mind, friend. They have plenty of time. Oh, you're going to brainwash them. I said this the other day. You don't brainwash the truth. Truth is truth. You know how you brainwash with error. That's what the world does to your children. Many times they get into these godless settings. They're brainwashing them. You say, oh, no, 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 no. That's not brainwashing. Everybody, that's just where everybody is. Yeah, you're all brainwashed. Yeah. Yeah. How many were raised in a Christian home? How many were raised in a Christian home? Yeah. How many first generation Christians are in here? Your parents weren't, but you are. Amen. Yeah. It's wonderful. Those of you who were raised in a Christian home, how did your parents influence you? What were the things? Sometimes, if you've noticed, some of the greatest influences in your life were little little consistencies. Not always the big things, right? But consistencies. They're watching. You're in church. Maybe you're faithful to church. You watch your parents uh, uh, act the same way at church as they did at home. Well, that's a blessing, amen. Right? That, that'll help a child. Yeah. And uh, the, uh, there, there's so many, so many things that we are tempted by today to leave the children behind. And uh, we need to realize what that is. Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he shall go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. You know, You know the emphasis there in that verse, if you go look deeper into it, the emphasis is on the word he. Train up a child in the way he shall go, the way he wants to go. He won't depart from that. You know what was the problem with Eli and his sons? Not that his sons were a mess. God said it, is that he didn't correct them. I have less problem with an unruly child who's corrected than I do with an unruly child because they're not corrected. That's a different thing. That's a totally different thing. We're told here to train up a child while you go when he's old. He will not depart from it. 
We do not, you, it's, God does not tell us to let kids make up their own mind. As long as they're in that. Hey, I, told, I tell our girls, can we get our ears pierced? Yeah, when you get married. Sure. Is there anything wrong with that? Not really, but hey. Anything wrong with having your ears pierced? Probably, I don't think so. Not too much. But I, this is just some things that we did now when you get married. Yeah. Can we wear makeup? Yeah, 16 special occasions. You know breakfast became a special occasion? <laughs> it did. I mean, you couldn't, but you know, some of you, there's some great special occasions going on, right? Absolutely. It's like, wow, you are really excited for church today. Why? Hmm, this is new, right? You don't let children make up their, make their, you know, I said, we used to say, you probably said it, when you get out of the house, you can, you can, yeah, have at it. Make every dumb decision you want. Go ahead. Yeah. But uh, as long as you live here, these are, these are the rules of the house, man. This is, this is a loving dictatorship here. Okay. This is, you're going to, you can, uh, you can uh, uh, abide or you can go do your own. One of our children wanted to go do their own. And another sibling reminded them, you don't even pay for toothpaste. And you think you're going to live on your own? I mean, they were old enough to move out and get, you know, get their own place. And, and uh, you don't, you know, yeah, this one, the older one was already married and they're like, you're stupid. Stay home and just, just uh, figure out how to live there and, and just, just uh, be decent, would you? you? You don't even know what you're asking for. Amen. Yeah, but I'm saying a divided home. This is, this is the temptation. It is a temptation that comes. But notice what Moses' response, and this will help you today. Yeah. Moses wasn't going to leave the women and children behind. He said, we're all going to go. We're all going to leave. I said it. Joshua said it too. It's for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. Uh, the apostle Paul did it as well when he told the, the, those at Corinth to follow me as I follow Christ. Right? We're not going to go. He wasn't going to do that. Moses wasn't going to leave them behind. He said, no, we've all got to go. We're, we're all going along here. We're, nobody's, nobody's staying behind. Here are the temptations we see. And I've got to be done here in a minute. The temptation to conform, the temptation to compromise, the temptation to, to be corrupted, a divisive temptation. And finally, there's a temptation to concede. Yeah, Satan never stops oh I think when I make it to 90 it'll get easier not what I've heard from people that are 90 or above or, or encroaching on it right? he never stops Is anybody, uh, would anybody like to admit being over 85 in here today who's over 85 brother Chuck are you over 85 yet July you'll be 85 brother Bob Miss Betty, I didn't think you were 78. Wow. <laughs> Let me ask you something. <laughs> has Satan stopped? Has he left you alone? Has, he, has Satan just walked away and he's done, Brother Chuck? Or are you? No, no. Yeah. Did you ever think it would get easier and you realize, well, it ain't easier? <laughs> it's, it's, still, it's still hard. Yeah, it is. He never stops. Look at chapter 10. Look at verse 24. And over the host of... Uh, yeah, I'm in Numbers. Exodus. Did I say Numbers earlier? Yeah. My word. 
I've actually have verses written in my notes, so I wasn't looking at my Bible. Now that I went over to look at it, I've got this written down too. I don't know why I looked over at it. Here we go. And now I'll read it off my notes instead of my Bible because I don't know. Make sure I'm at the right place. <laughs> Look at verse 24. And Pharaoh called unto Moses and said, Go ye, serve the Lord, only let your flocks and your herds be stayed. Let your little ones uh, also go with you. Yeah. Pharaoh said, okay, fine, take them all. Let every, everything go. You're right. Pharaoh knew, he, listen, Pharaoh wanted the Israelites to come back and to serve as slaves in Egypt. He wanted them to stay there. They, listen, they made them a lot of money. They didn't want them to go. Yeah. Notice what he's going to do here. If, 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 uh, if they leave their riches in Egypt, they're more likely to come back. You see what he said at the end here? Let your little ones also go with you, but look at, only let your flocks and your herds be stayed. That was their money. That was their livelihood. He said, okay, fine. Go, take your women, take your children. Just leave the bank account here. Leave the bank here. Leave your cattle here. Yeah. Go ahead, sell out to God. Go ahead. But not all the way. Is there anywhere in your life, is there anywhere in your life right now that that is... uh, not all the way sold out to God. Is there, is there something is there something that you can bring to your mind and you think, you know, Lord, I've given you all of this willingly and lovingly. You have my time. You have my resources. You have my heart. You have this. You have that. But there's one little area that I haven't given to you. How many kings in Israel died and, and David said, or God said, they had, they, their heart was right with God in all their ways. But then they'd say something like this, they didn't remove all of the high places or something to that effect. No, God still, listen, God still knew their heart. Aren't you thankful for that? But there's still a little thing, a little thing that God didn't get all of. Just a little thing. He wants it all. He wants it all. He deserves it all. Do you not think God would be better at handling that than you are? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. So many times it is in the area of wealth, isn't it? Mm. It's crazy. Well, here's my ties. But man, I can't afford missions. Well, here's my tithe and missions, but man, a building fund? No way. Well, here's this and here's that, but, you know, I'm still going to spend a little bit of money on this or on that that you don't like. I'm shocked by how many Christians gamble. Buy scratch tickets? Friend, that's ungodly. That is ungodly. We don't gamble, right? Amen? Or, Or I think we're good with that, right? Why God is in, watch God has instituted that labor be done by the sp- sweat of our brow. Our labor should produce a commodity, something that is valuable to somebody else, that helps somebody else, right? Not just to go out and gamble and try to your try uh, your chance at luck and make some extra bucks that way, right? Yeah. There's a man that won the lottery some years ago, 
And uh, I was shocked. He went to give a big offering to a church, and the church actually rejected it. I was like, praise the Lord. That's rare. Now, I'd have to pray about it for a while first. I mean, it depends on how much it was. If it's a million, we'd probably have a prayer meeting over it first. But, yeah. Yep. So what Satan says, hey, be careful. Be careful. You know, you, you can give a lot, but don't give it all. Remember David went to the threshing floor and, uh, and uh, Aharuna, is that his name, Aharuna? He said, I, 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 need, I need to buy this from you. And he said, here's the oxen, here's the instruments, here's this. He said, I give it all. I give it all. He was going to sacrifice unto the Lord. David was going to sacrifice unto the Lord. And David turned around and said, no, I'm going to buy it because I'm not giving anything to the Lord that doesn't cost me. Because then it's not a gift. Yeah. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Luke 1, 2, 3, 4. That's easy one to remember. Luke 12, 34. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Did you notice the order of that? You think, oh, if my heart's right, my treasure will be right. No, do you realize love is a choice? And notice, notice the order. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If your heart's in the wrong place, hey, just find a different treasure. And your heart will follow. Some of you have found a treasure in this world. Some of you have found a treasure in finances. Some of you have found a treasure in, in entertainment. Some have found uh, treasures in, in all sorts of different things that aren't of God. Watch this. If you're struggling, find a different treasure. Because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Second Corinthians two nine or Second Corinthians nine seven. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of a necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Moses had a conviction. What do you know? He had a conviction. It was impossible to leave their herds and their flocks behind. It was impossible for him to leave their children behind. They weren't going to leave the women and children behind. They, weren't, they needed absolutely all of it. It all belonged to God. And he says, we're not leaving Egypt. We're not leaving anything behind in Egypt. Now, let me ask you this morning. I'm going to stop. You're saved. You're born again. You're a child of God. When you are saved, everybody is saved in Egypt. Nobody's saved outside of Egypt, right? You're saved in Egypt. You're saved in this world. Have you left anything back behind in Egypt that should have come out with you when God brought you out? Have you left anything behind? Is anything in this world, right, that should have been, that should have been, uh, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Sanctified unto God. That should have been set aside unto God. Has anything been allowed to be left in your life, left in the world, left in Egypt, that should have been given over to God? Maybe your philosophies of some things in life. Maybe your speech. You realize our speech ought to be seasoned with salt? Do you realize uh, this is, you talk about a convicting verse. I tell you what, every idle word is going to be judged, the Bible says. Our speech. Yeah. Some people come out, but boy, they still talk like the world. Yeah. Some language comes out of their mouths that should never come out of our mouths. I'm just saying, I'm just asking you, look around, look around. Have you left anything behind in Egypt that should have come out with you? Nice thing about it is you can still bring it out. Amen. You can still go get it and bring it out. I'm going to let the, the Holy Spirit will, will work on you. I don't need to list a bunch of stuff. 
He can, he can work on you if, you, if you have, if you have. We're talking about compromise today. Do you know you can be delivered from compromise? You can be delivered from the bondage of compromise. And compromise, once you start, it is a bondage. It is a bondage. You can be delivered from that. What do you do? How, how do you get delivered from the bondage of compromise? I don't know. Just do what Naboth said when he was delivered from compromise. The Lord forbid me. That was his answer. The Lord forbid me. God said, no. what was Joseph's answer to Potiphar's wife? How could I sin and do this? How could I, how could I sin and do this great sin against God? I think he said, how could I sin against God? What was his answer to compromise? What was, what was every, what is every answer to compromise? God said, no. Right. Well, I don't know where God says no to this. I just kind of know if there's something wrong. I can tell there's something maybe not right about this, but I don't know exact verse. Go find it. <laughs> Ask God to show you. He'll give you a verse. It's the Word of God. The Word of God is our answer to compromise. Amen? Yeah. Let's not compromise. There's so many around us that are, and uh, we don't have to. We just don't have to compromise. It's not, it's not necessary. And uh, the world, while the world falls around, down around us, while the, the Christians fall down around us, we don't. We just don't have to. So let's read this, Mr. Prayer. Father, would you help us with the compromise that's all around us? Would you help us to stay strong and not compromise? Would you help us to do that and be, to rest in your word? If there's anything that we've left in Egypt that should have come out with us, anything of our possessions, anything of our, uh, of our, of our desires and heart, anything that, has, that we've left behind that's made it easy to return, would you help us to bring it out and, and have it uh, sanctified unto thee? And, and Lord, that we would uh, be victorious in this area of compromise. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.